Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's Top 20 Emotional Abuse Podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth. In here, we explore areas that others fear to tread. We talk about the mindfuck that was your life, and we talk honestly about what happened, because beautiful soul, these honest conversations are key to creating the life you were born to live. I wrote my first book, Finding Lily, sat on a beach in Greece, as my marriage was crumbling around me. My second book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse, followed as I discovered a new language, words and phrases that I had no idea existed and I realized had been my reality. My third book, Divorce Matters, has been written to support you through this process. It's an important part. You can get the clothes you need, heal the emotional wounds, and because your divorce matters are important as well, getting all the information, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, you can start to create a life you deserve to live. I'm founder of the Divorce Sanctuary and Wound Talking. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years, working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma and working with this life wounding. And I'm on a mission to help educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives and healing the wounds of our fathers. It stops here, it stops now and it stops with us. So welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of the Mindfuckery podcast. I want you to hold on to this thought for a moment. Narcissistic abuse or the narcissist's aim is total abuse. Their aim is to kill you mentally and to deprive you of autonomy, independence and take over your mind. You mistake their thoughts as your own. You had so much in common or you might have heard you're so alike. I saw a TikTok a few months ago, which was an interview with Sam Vagnin, and that was his explanation. And I used it recently in a YouTube video. And the theme was, how do you recover from emotional abuse? I was doing a talk on Saturday, and um, I thought I'd share some of that information in the podcast today. So I started my talk by saying, if you'd been with me in October 2016, I talk about this in my book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse. The I was sat on the corner of the sofa, actually I was sat on the arm of the sofa and I was hugging a mug of coffee. The sun, October sun was streaming through a, a, a beautifully open um, room and sat on the other end of my corner sofa was my estranged husband. And I was taking responsibility for the breakdown of our marriage, the relationship, I was declaring all the things that were wrong with me. And I also said, I never ever want anyone to experience or go through this. And I meant it in that moment. It took me a while longer to realize that actually it was quite a tall order. I am a woundologist and I've worked with wounds for 20 plus years. I started doing past life healing. I did a past life energetics course and that was healing the wounds that we come into, uh, we come into this life with that have come with us from past lives. I 
moved on uh, around 2010 I started um, studying epigenetics and looking at the wounds and working around 2013 started working and healing our ancestral wounds and and then about 2018 I started working with this life wounding I was sat on a beach in Greece in 2016 and I was all alone I could not and I didn't understand at the time why I could not engage with my family that I'd gone away with. My husband at the time didn't want to go away. We're going to spend a month over in Greece. And up until that point, I'd been going over with my daughters as well. And he decided this year he didn't want to go. I couldn't spend any time with them. I felt guilty spending time with them. I felt as if I was betraying my husband. And so we then, I said, as I said goodbye to them after a week... I spent four weeks of hell fawning, basically, but I didn't know any of this. I'd written a story of finding Lily. I'd written it in longhand, and as I was typing up on my laptop, it was there in black black letters on white, well, it's not paper, is it, but a white screen showing to me that this relationship was a replica or very, very similar to a relationship that I had experienced 26 years earlier. Obviously, it's a lot longer now, but at the time when I wrote it, it was 20, they were 26 years apart. I had known my marriage was breaking down. I knew it was crumbling beneath me. This had been going on a very long time. I'd been on a shamanic healing course the year before in 2015, and I was, the words actually came out of my mouth then that it was over. But what I didn't know at that time that I made that statement was, that was early August 2015. I had been away in the June, but it wasn't until, this is weird, but it wasn't until the September that I found out while we were away in June that my husband had been messaging someone. So while I'd put my life on hold for a week to accompany him so he could write his book, he was sat next to me messaging somebody else. So fast forward to 2016 when we got home from Greece. He he was gone within 10 days, I think it was. And I actually felt that I could breathe again. And I really, really felt that I'd been holding my breath. And maybe that's something you can relate to. I was able to take a breath. I was able to breathe. There was quiet. I felt things lifted from me, from my shoulders. And it was during this time that I started to learn a new language. I started to discover new words and phrases. And it was perhaps over the following year that this happened. I discovered a video that was talking about mindfuckery, um, which really is, you know, to me, sums up everything that happens in these relationships and then what happened around 2017 was I'm a Reiki master teacher as well and I was teaching one-to-one clients at the time I didn't have the confidence to do group teaching so I was teaching one-to-one when people appeared and the time felt right for me and every single person that arrived had been through an emotionally abusive relationship every single one of them and I started to wonder whether actually I should be doing something else I've got all this experience with wounds over that period of 2017 2018 I started recording videos for YouTube and was thinking how can I introduce this subject 
And I thought, well, what a better way than to do it on the A to Z of like abusive cycles, belittling, cognitive dissonance, mindfuckery and triangulation and gaslighting and word salad, walking on eggshells. And that's what I did. And I then started, I wrote an article for Thrive Global and I started posting some images on Instagram. And at this point, I'd had my book Finding Lily published and the publisher reached out to me and said, I hope this is your next book because I had already paid them to publish the next one. And actually, the book that I was going to write was called That Effing Pink Umbrella. So that got shelved and... I started to write the A to Z of emotional abuse based on the information that I had, what I'd experienced and what I'd gone through. This is how I started to discover what was going on was I got messages saying, you know, we should be together. You, I tried to go no contact and messages saying, oh, you shouldn't be going through this alone. You know, we're meant to be together with soulmates. I didn't know at the time that was hoovering. I didn't know that... That day that I was sitting on the uh, arm of my sofa hugging my coffee was a hoovering attempt. I'd been out the night before with some people that I work with and I'd been tagged in a post. And the next morning I got a message saying, oh, I'm driving over, reminiscing about our life. And I said, oh, come in for coffee. I had no idea that this was hoovering. And it was during these years that I started to understand why I couldn't connect with my daughters, where this guilt came from, understand the real reason that I got that text. So I changed my book from that effing pink umbrella, which was wounding, that was starting, that was written from a wound, or it was likely to be written from a wound. Or I had actually written it. I've got a couple of versions on a, an old laptop. It looked like somebody trying to step into my life. It looked like they were stepping into the fake future that we'd created. And there were so many triggers. And when I talk, I talk about, you know, being stripped back, our personality, all our developmental stages, everything that we've learned has been infiltrated. The wounds that we have, that we were given as children, that we need to heal, are presented to us. But they're also an entry route in to our programming, the programming that happened in childhood. And as I got ready for divorce, I realised that this abuse continues. It continues by proxy through the legal team. Over this time, that I was able to peel back the layers, but I was discovering wounds and some of my divorce was carried out by a five-year-old. Some of it was carried out by a three-year-old. Some of it was driven by the wounding that I'd experienced. And so I, I was kept asking myself, who is running this divorce? Emotional wounds are like physical wounds. You get a broken bone or a bruising. This happens, it's exactly the same with emotional wounding. When I trained in 2010 as a spiritual life coach, I also trained as a soul plan reader and as a theta healer. And I was working on the premise that, or 
everything that I found said that, you know, we live in this theta state the first seven years of our life. We live in this theta state. A theta state is like a hypnotic state. Everything we hear, everything we see, everything we feel is the truth to us. We have nothing to measure it by. We have a, a three-year-old does not know that a child, that a parent, or I used to describe it years ago as a parent coming in from work in a bad mood and the child running up with their picture and the child doesn't know that that parent has had a bad day at work. They think that's a personal attack on them and their picture or whatever it is and they're in the way. They haven't got that ability to say, oh, my dad's in a bad mood. Oh, mum's had a bad day at work. Mum's had an argument with someone. When I started to tune into this, yeah, this was around about 2010. This to me didn't feel right. Age seven doesn't feel right. Anyone who's had a big birthday, who has hit a landmark birthday, there's the preparation, the gearing up to hitting 30, 40, 50, whatever the age is. You know that you don't wake up the next morning, you're 39, going into 40, you don't wake up. Oh, I feel different. It's a gradual thing that happens over a period of time. And this is the same for children. I was the child at school that was staring out the window. School, I, I just never got school until I was much older. Learning, I wasn't learning what I needed to learn. Yeah, it was really helpful to be able to write and spell. And um, I love maths but I was the child staring out that window I was the child that was in her head I was the child that daydreamed so I knew when I tuned in that this age was a gradient for some some children might transition and come out of that hypnotic state at the age of six and three quarters and for others it might be eight and a quarter up until the age of seven or eight years old we live in a theta state a hypnotic state anyone who sleeps well at night will experience this as we go into these sleep states we pass through theta as we go into a deep sleep and we come back out through this theta as we come back out into consciousness and we do that several times a night if you meditate if you daydream you can go into a theta state when i was born the doctor went off i did not want to be born into this world the doctor went off to get the forceps to drag me into the world and, and also when i was born my foot was up against my my shin it had to be massaged down again I did not want to step into this world for me this is the theta effect this time is where our programming happens these first seven to eight years we are take on the beliefs of our tribe our tribe or our family or it could be our school or it could be our church or it could be our community that we're involved in we learn here how to be treated or we learn how to treat other people and this is where we hear feel see and we take on this as the truth this is our truth a baby knows it's born with survival mechanisms we all know how to survive if we're tired if we're hungry as a baby we let our parents know and what we witness what we see we either learn that that's how we should be treated or we learn that's how we treat other people we in a stand it's okay as I said my divorce was being driven by wounding and I had at times a three-year-old a five-year-old an eight-year-old to talk about this in the A to Z of emotional abuse I lost count of the amount of children that I healed so by the end of it I was sort of becoming an adult running my own divorce this is why I say it's so important to emotionally divorce first if you can if you get that opportunity 
grab it. But during that time, I was able to discover techniques that were really helping me and I'd actually been running an energy course and as I was teaching the techniques I realized that I wasn't in rumination as much as I had been and and sometimes when it was really bad I could be there for seven days believing this was all my fault replaying recalling finding all the information all the situations all the times that I've behaved in a certain way that proved that this relationship had broken down because of me and my behaviour. I was being triggered by letters and emails. And then I realised, got some information through and I, and I did go into rumination, but I actually was out within a really short period of time. And I realised that actually being grounded was really helping me. The breathing techniques that I was teaching, which is box breathing. So you, you breathe in and count, you hold for the same number and you breathe out and you're counting and you hold and count. You just keep repeating. I actually found out, I was listening to Mel Robbins' book, 54321. I found out she'd found this technique where she was able to reprogram her cravings. I think she was trying to give up alcohol. And while she was writing the book, she discovered that actually by counting, you're using a different part of your brain. So you're automatically taking your focus away from what it was. And I also realised that this must be what was happening with the box breathing. And then one day out of the blue, it was doing really well. I think I either got a letter or an email and it knocked me and I actually took myself to bed. It's one of the techniques that I say to people, treat yourself like a toddler. If you need to put yourself in the bath, go and do that. Splash around, use Himalayan salts is brilliant for helping you ground and replenish the minerals that get lost with the high cortisol that's pumping around your body that all the hormones that are pumping around and I got this letter and in the end I put myself to bed and I sat with myself and I had this need this craving actually wanted to communicate with my estranged husband at that point and I hadn't seen him for a couple of years and we didn't communicate at all Uh, it was a very weird feeling being in this position so I had this really honest conversation and I, I, I was able to track down the original wound this is the original wound work I was able to find the three year old and all she wanted was a bit of attention. She wanted a hug. She wanted to know that everything was okay and that she she was safe. And this is why I say the abusers are able to access in because at some point that three-year-old was traumatized. She experienced a, a wounding. Now we have three core wounds. I speak about these a lot. Abandonment, betrayal and shame. It might be that she felt betrayed or abandoned. She might have experienced shame. But it was one of those, I need attention and love. I need to be held. So to me, I would suggest it's an abandonment betrayal wound. And I was able to nurture her and I was able to talk to her and tell her that everything was okay and have this really honest conversation with myself and everything just dissolved at that point this is the programming that happens this this original wounding might have been how people have got into my life we also take on the wounds of our mothers and our fathers of our grandparents we're told things these are handed down like a baton or they're gifted to us like a trusted you know piece of jewelry wounding that happens to other people they might see it as keeping us safe or but they're keeping us small and some of it might be 
you know, don't walk out in front of that bus or in front of that train is keeping us and protecting us. But some of the trauma that's happened to them might never, ever happen to us. The life that somebody was living in one of the wars, thankfully, we won't experience. This wounding is but it's being passed down. And this is where their epigenetics comes in. I was constantly reminded during the divorce process that this was a short marriage that we were in, but the wounding was deep. That programming was so deep. I have told this story before. I cannot remember at which point this fitted in, whether we were back from Greece or before we went to Greece. I had this feeling it was before we went. I was sat in the lounge on my own and I heard the back door. I heard my then husband walk in. I did not want to get up off that sofa and I did not want to go and greet him but I knew I needed to. Again, that's the fawning. I needed to go. And so I picked myself up. I put a big smile on my face and I went in to greet him. And he made a comment, which I knew was to knock my energy. It was to hurt me. I actually can't remember what he said. And I felt my eyes ping. I felt them sting with tears. They were about to fall. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow you to do this to me today. And so I blinked them away and I took a deep breath and I lifted my shoulders and I went to smile. And he said, why do you do that? This is why we think you're bipolar. And I was floored. And I said, who's we? Who's we? And I was thinking, what have you been saying about me? Who are you talking to about me? We'd also been through an experience, and I'm fairly sure it was around about the same time. And I discovered some information. I discovered that he was on a dating website talking to people. He claimed it wasn't him. And he his account had been hacked. It was old photos, etc. However, as I was staring at the screen because I couldn't sleep that night, I saw him send a message to someone. I mean, how do you deny that? And he'd gone off the next day and spoken to some people that we knew who then said, look, go and speak to this woman. She's brilliant. She's a counsellor, you know, had personal experience with her. And I said to him at the time, did you tell them why? Did you tell them I found you on this dating website? And he said, no. So here he is saying to me we believe you're bipolar I'm saying who's we anyway I held this belief and six years later it was about two years ago I was getting ready to do a live in my Facebook group and I'd written some notes and I can't remember what it, what the live was about or anything but as I stared at these notes I had this thought it was like I was peeling back another layer if the majority of our relationship was a lie why was I holding on to this one thought that I was bipolar and just like that ping that was gone. All this information around me, every time I went to do something, I, I felt, oh my gosh, this must be, I must be bipolar. You know, the roller coaster of emotions that you go through when you're going through this recovery, you're being hit all the time with information, new information, you're finding things out, you're discovering things, you're asking so many questions, nothing makes sense, your mind is so confused. You know, you think that you, you might even question, am I a narcissist? Am I, what is wrong with me? What have I done? Got all this information, all this proof. Within that moment, within that moment of declaring or realizing that this was a lie I'd managed to break that cycle I've managed to break that thought I'd gone in to these really old survival programs I declared in October 2016 I do not want 
anybody to experience what I've experienced. And, it, you know, I've realised it was really a really tall order. I do believe at some point if we're able to, you know, make people aware of the emotional abuse that happens and reprogram our children and reprogram ourselves. You know, a lot of parents, if you're lucky any and you've had a parent that has been through an abusive relationship or they grew up in an abusive environment and said I'm not repeating those patterns I see and I'm not doing that there will be people that don't see this as abusive and they then carry that on and they program their children I do believe it can be broken I do believe that if we could get into schools and work with children and help them, we can also break this cycle. And it's one of the reasons that I've written the healing programs that I've got, you know, I'm going to work with the original wound, because if we can heal the original wound, and that wounding that happened, and break that cycle, we empower people, we empower ourselves, we can stop the abuse, we can say it stops with me. And I developed wound talking to do the same thing, to help us break these cycles and stop what's going on, stop repeating these patterns, spotting red flags, empowering people to take control of their life. The narcissistic personality type, the people that are higher up with higher narcissistic traits, their aim is to take over your life, to take over your thoughts, to make you think that their thoughts are your own, to kill you mentally, to take away you as a person, your autonomy, to deprive you of independence. And it does take a lot of muscle building. It's take, this isn't like an overnight, I can heal. This is a step by step. And there might be times that you take three or four steps backwards. You might want to give them another chance. You might want to help them. You might still see that wounded inner child that they project out, how they reeled you in, how they got to you. It might be that you couldn't save a parent. You desperately tried to help a parent. That was your role within a family unit and you take that on into a relationship. It might be that you played a different role within a family unit or a tribe and you take that belief about yourself. I believe it's possible to heal. I really, really do. I believe it's possible to heal not only from this abusive relationship, but from any abuse that you've experienced. And I honestly believe that every single one of us is worth doing that. And I know that I speak, I talk about this. It might be that I'm planting a seed. It might be that you can't hear me on a certain level. And then one day, all of a sudden you wake up and you can hear me. And I use an example of my own healing and during my own healing journey where I heard um, someone talking about codependent relationships and being codependent in a relationship. And I thought, absolutely no way. I wasn't codependent and I rejected it. And then over a period of time, I started to break things down and I was able to go, do you know what? I actually accept I did play that codependent role. We have three core wounds, abandonment, betrayal, and shame. And we learn how to fawn, and we learn how to freeze, and we learn how to fight, and we learn how to take flight, to run away. It's in us, it's inbuilt in us. These are old survival techniques that we learn in childhood. What if you could unlearn them? What if you could learn to believe in yourself, believe that you are the most amazing gift that's been given 
and not in a grandiose way. I believe we each and every one have a message and we each and every one have a role here and that's to share the gifts that we've been given. I'm going to put some links in the notes. One will be the YouTube video that I recorded on healing following that statement of Sam Vaknin's and some other tools and techniques that you can use to help you muscle build and step into your new life. The one that you were born to live. I'm sending you loads and loads of love. Until next time.